and welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Good to be along with you. It's morning as I record this. Normally I do these in the evening or at night. A little bit sharper in the morning, so I figured, you know, why not? A little late. We have a very uh, busy week here uh, at the Flint household. A lot of things going on when you have young children. I have a couple of girls, uh, one girl in college, the other getting ready for college, and it's just always busy. I mean, always, every day, we're having vehicle issues, as a lot of families do. We have these challenges we have to get through, and uh, we're you know in the middle of a couple of challenges, but we're going to get through them. Let's uh, begin by talking a little bit, not a lot, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because the uh, the, the, the A-team of uh, talk radio people, the, the national people, the Levins and the Hannity's, are beating this to death as well they should, the investigations into the Bidens. Now, the major media wants to investigate Trump. They're more concerned about what he is alleged to have done. Of course, he's done nothing wrong. At least it hasn't been proven that he's done anything wrong yet. He's not been convicted of anything. But the Bidens are, are front and center here. Congressional Republicans are investigating Joe Biden's financial history. And there's the allegation that when Biden was VP, he accepted a $5 million bribe from the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. And this, and I I guess we have to say the alleged scheme also involves uh, Biden's son, Hunter. Now, Burisma paid Hunter Biden about a million dollars a year to do pretty much nothing. Hunter Biden has no history or no knowledge about the uh, oil and gas industry, but he got paid a million dollars because of his connections uh, with his father, obviously. So that's, uh, you know, and and Joe Biden has been really a a, a corrupt politician pretty much all of his career. There's really nothing new here. I mean, the Burisma stuff's new, but I mean, he's been corrupt since he entered the Senate in the 1970s. At issue is something called a Form FD-1023. I'm looking at a piece from Town Hall. It's an FBI document that is said to memorialize a confidential human sources conversations with a foreign national who claimed to have bribed then-Vice President Joe Biden. In the words of James Comer, is the Kentucky Republican who chairs the House Oversight Committee. That FBI confidential human source, according to Comer, was no fly-by-night character. He was a trusted source who has worked with over who has worked with the FBI for over 10 years. He was paid over $200,000 for his work during that time. He's somebody who's respected in the business. In other words, this is a serious allegation from a serious source. But according to Comer, the FBI never did one single thing to investigate this. Now, it's obvious why, because Biden is president. He controls the FBI and the Justice Department. They fall under the executive branch. That's why people don't have confidence in the FBI to verify the allegations contained in this record. And they may have intentionally withheld it during the investigation into Hunter Biden's tax evasion. That's according to Comer. Hunter Biden, I know there's a, there's a viral video of Hunter. He's on the phone with his with his baby mama. I can't think of her name. Uh, nice looking woman, blonde. Uh, she is the mother of their or their child, and he's as he's speaking with her, he's obviously high on something. Then he torches up a crack pipe, what appears to be a crack pipe, and he sounds amazingly like his father. But it's just unbelievable. This guy's in the White House, and they got the cocaine they found in the, a public library, and I guess the uh, Jean Pierre, whatever her name is, the White House press secretary, tried to say that you know that that gets a lot of traffic that area of the White House. Maybe somebody 
may have left it there. It's a private library. It doesn't get any public traffic. And that's where the cocaine turned up. Now, nobody knows for sure whose it is. I mean, you know, Hunter Biden is staying at the White House, according to reports. So you can draw your own conclusions. I mean, this whole thing is, it's, it's our house. That's the issue. I don't care what Hunter Biden does in his own time, on his own dime, but he's in our house. The Bidens need to be extricated from the White House, and hopefully that happens in a year and a half. But Christopher Wray, the head of the FBI, is on the hot seat. He's being investigated by, by Congress, and Republicans uh, in Congress are uh, supposedly reading him the riot act, but he, doesn't, he won't comply with any of their demands. I mean, he thinks he's above the law. You know, we heard about Trump. Oh, nobody's above the law. Well, the FBI thinks they're above the law. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. What can we do about it here in upstate New York? As I record this, there's not a lot we can do. You know, speaking of the presidential election, which is almost a year and a half away, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a column I read in Town Hall this morning by Cal Thomas. It's called Vice President Harris's Unknown Language. And if you listen to Harris, she is really amazing how anybody can be that inarticulate. And, you know, and the media made fun of Dan Quayle when he was in office for four years, and he wasn't the most articulate of guys. And a lot of bright people don't express themselves well. And I'm not saying Kamala Harris is bright because obviously she's uh, she doesn't appear to be bright. She doesn't sound bright. She was a former prosecutor. She is a former prosecutor. So obviously she's got a law degree. She can't be an idiot, one would think. But Biden is seeking a second term, and there's this all this conjecture and all this uh, speculation about whether he should dump Harris as vice president. Biden's poll numbers are in the tank, and Harris's poll numbers are just as bad. According to the LA Times, 41% of registered voters had a favorable opinion of Harris, 53% an unfavorable opinion. That's a net rating of minus 12 percentage points. Now, I don't know what those 41% of people are thinking. I don't know what they can point to as far as any of her accomplishments. But obviously, Biden's age is an issue. He is not uh, mentally fit for the position. And Harris, you know, it's Democrats are saying this among themselves. I'm reading all these reports. A lot of Democrats are saying maybe she's not qualified. Maybe she's not smart enough to become president if something were to happen to uh, to Biden. And I'll, I'll give you an example. And in, in, uh, Cal Thomas puts this in his in his column. Earlier this month, there was an event sponsored by Essence Magazine, a black magazine in New Orleans. And Harris, and I'll I'll just read what she said, and it's going to be hard for me to duplicate what she said because uh, I'll, I'll do my best. This is the quote. Culture is, she pauses, it is a reflection of our moment in our time, right? And present culture is the way we express our feeling about the moment. And... And we should always find time to express how we feel about the moment that is a reflection of joy. Because, you know, it comes in the morning, then she cackles. We also have to find ways to also express the way we feel about the moment in terms of just having language and, and, and a connection to how people are experiencing life. And I think about it in that way, too. Now, what does that mean? What did she say? Culture is, you know, I love the way she says right at the end of every sentence. You ever listen to NPR? They, all the liberals, that's how they speak. They make a statement or ask a question. They go, they can make a statement. They don't even have to ask a question. 
they'll say something and they go, right, right, right. Cuomo was, uh, Mari, or, uh, Andrew Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, former governor, Cuomo was big for, for that. You know, right at the end of every sentence. Drives me nuts. But that's, that's Kamala Harris. And that's probably among some of her more articulate comments. She's just, I'm trying to think of another way, another um, VP. What does it stand for other than vice president? Well, the V could stand for vacuous. In her case, I got to come up with a word for P. But I mean, this—it's frightening to think these people are in are in charge of our country. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the two most powerful positions, or the one most powerful—the president, obviously—that that, that uh, office is is certainly powerful. The vice president, well, maybe not so much, but she's a heartbeat away from assuming the office. And you know, if they were to dump her, the Democrats—and I said I wasn't going to talk a lot about this—but I mean, it's it's hard not to. Who would they put in? I mean, Gavin Newsom out in California is uh, what a lot of people are saying. He would be the perfect choice because he is ruthless. He's uh, 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 tr- uh, transitional. Is really he's he's uh, somebody who is uh, stands for virtually nothing other than big government, lots of spending, and is a social liberal. And he's he would be a perfect choice if you're a Democrat. I think it'd be a disaster for the country. All right, on to a movie that is. Um, drawing a lot of attention, and rightfully so. It's called Sound of Freedom. Jim Caviezel, who starred in The Passion of the Christ, Jim Caviezel is in the lead role, and I have not seen the movie. It's causing a major stir on social media, and Jim Caviezel is all over the place, as is uh, Mel Gibson talking about this and talking about uh, human trafficking, child sex trafficking. And it's not just a problem here in the States. It is a global issue. And it's been going on for a long time. We've been hearing more and more about Epstein Island and uh, what went on with Jeffrey Epstein and and some of the uh, the pornography. And it's just sick that this goes on. And I guess this goes on in Hollywood, according to uh, many uh, notable sources, reliable sources, that there's a child sex trafficking ring in Hollywood. And more and more people are finding out about it. And a lot of very... You know, big named people are involved in it. I won't go into the names. I'm not going to drop names because, frankly, we don't know yet. And I think this has to be investigated, and we have to get officials or investigators, if the FBI still investigates anything other than Trump, have to get to the bottom of of what's happening to to children. In many cases, children. On to another topic here, and I, I, I apologize. I'm kind of skipping around here. There's so much I want to cover. Some of this will have to wait. Uh, until another podcast, but I want to touch on the LGBTQ movement and this transgenderism, which is absolute uh, sickness. Republican legislatures in 20 states have banned the use of irreversible gender-changing procedures on children. Now, you would say, why do we need legislation to stop such a sick and evil procedure? But what the Republicans did in these states overcame governor's vetoes in five of those states, with a sixth override likely. But in six of the 20 states, federal judges, liberal judges, blocked these laws in response to lawsuits by these liberal groups such as the ACLU and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, this is, a lot of this is, a lot of legalese in this, but I want to just briefly touch on the first appellate decision. And it's good news. July 8th, last week, Two of the finest appellate judges in the country, Jeffrey Sutton and Amul Thapar, who was appointed by Donald Trump, delivered a setback to the transgender agenda by ruling to reinstate Tennessee's new law against transgender operations on minor children. Now, what society would permit transgender operations on children? 
this, you know, at some point, certainly individually, but collectively as a society, we need to stand up to this movement and say enough is enough. We're not going to recognize the transgender movement. We're not going to recognize LGBTQ any longer. That's it. Enough is enough. This is what happens when you let it go, when you turn the blind eye and you say, well, okay, we'll just, you know, I don't, people should be free to do what they want to do. This is where you, where you wind up. Children are always going to be the targets. Children are always vulnerable. They're our most vulnerable. And as, as I mentioned in the, uh, the child trafficking business going on, it's worldwide and we need to stop it. We need to say enough is enough. We're not going to recognize the LGBTQ plus whatever they call themselves. There are two genders, male and female. That's it. And I think we just need to codify things, put things into law. And it's unfortunate we have to do this because it, things are out of control. And school districts across, a lot of school districts across this country are adopting these mandatory LGBTQ programs for stu- students. They're nothing but indoctrination programs. They're described as, you know, sex education programs, diversity programs. But you know something? They all promote the LGBTQ ideologies, and they're doing it to our children at very young ages. In Florida, Governor DeSantis, who's done a great job battling this, they banned it. Then Disney lobbied for the ideology. Now there's a war between the state of Florida and the company that for decades provided children's programming. I remember, you know, the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday nights growing up in the 60s. Walt Disney was still alive and well in those days. Now Disney means something all something altogether different. This is going on around the country in school districts in every probably every state in the country fighting this LGBTQ nonsense. If it's happening in your school district, you best wake up and fight it. All right, one other thing here before we leave. It's, uh, you know, I think July is uh, a month that we celebrate the nation's independence. It doesn't end, begin and end on July 4th. I mean, we're celebrating. I fired, fired off some fireworks uh, the other night, and it was fun. We had, a, we had a good time. I didn't have that many, you know, big fireworks. I had three or four left over from last year. But a group of these communists, and they're, they're communists, these people, far-left activists with a revolutionary communist party, they disrespected the American flag and all it stands for. They burned it on Independence Day. I'm looking at a piece here, I think, from World Net Daily. This happened outside Independence Hall in Philadelphia. How about the how about the symbolism in that? These six of these communists first disrupted the city's celebration of freedom event. They were blowing air horns and yelling into a bullhorn. Then they locked hands. One pulled out an American flag and set it on fire. And then they, one of the attendee, uh, attendees said, come join a real revolution. They're going to they're gonna see a counter-revolution like they've never seen since probably 1776, if they keep it up. I think we're headed to that, unfortunately. They're pushing and pushing all the time. But cops had to uh, break things up and they detained these people. But they were let go because the Supreme Court declared burning a flag is now an acceptable form of protest. There was a court case back in the late 80s. But these people are out there, and they they hate America. They hate capitalism. They hate free enterprise. They hate freedom. And they're looking to stamp out freedom, and we're not going to let them do that. I hope you have a great day and a, and a great uh, rest of July. I love the month of July. It's 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 hot. It's uh, Things are growing. The gardens are on the move. And we've gotten a ton of rain up here in the upstate New York region where there's flood watches all over the place. But, I mean, we need the rain, but just not that much of it. But have a great day. And by the way, if you want to uh, check out some fine programming, go to the bmgnetwork.com. We have some great 
podcasters up there. My daughter, Madeline, with her show. I think she just did a podcast uh, last night or the night before, The Essentials, with Maddie Flint. Adrian Ross has a show. Ken Burns and Mike uh, Hansen will, uh, I, I guess, are going to uh, resume their show. They had a fine show when they started out a couple of years back. They're going to, they're thinking about it. It's in the planning stages. But anyway, check out the bmgnetwork.com for some great programming. Some columns up there under the PAC perspective. Check those out as well. And tell your friends about the BMG Network. Don't forget, hit like, hit subscribe. We need subscribers to this channel and share on social media. And thanks for listening. And if the good Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.